Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today, I'm going to do part two of the starting pitcher preview uh, from Alex Wood to Adam Wainwright, including player projections, valuations, and values. That's uh, the valuation minus the cost of the pick. Uh, and in some cases, why I expect them to do better or worse than those projections. I'm going to stick with kind of the same format I had for part one for most of this episode, uh, and then I'm going to veer off a little bit from the projections uh, to just talking about why a player may or may not uh, do well, since you know once you're beyond kind of ADP of 350 uh, or even 300, you know the projections kind of go a little bit out the window because the projections are so bad. Uh, in most instances that folks are unrosterable. So it's much more about looking for uh, upside or downside or um, you know guys who may have a, a reason, a compelling reason to stream or to have on your roster going forward. So I'll switch it up a little bit uh, there. This is the last of the position previews tier. And I hope, uh, I definitely hope you enjoyed these. Um, I got a lot of value from, from doing them myself, just kind of having to talk through each of the players, looking at the projections, looking at where values are, why I may agree or disagree with them. And so I hope you've uh, enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, being on, being on that ride with me uh, for sure. And that as you've entered your drafts and, you know, kind of thought about the players that they've that they've proved help, so helpful uh, in some uh, capacity. Uh, if they did prove helpful or you enjoy the podcast, please do go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, you guys absolutely killed it after the last episode. Uh, I'm now up to 88 uh, reviews on iTunes. That's plus seven uh, from the last show, which I kind of put out the goal of getting 100 before uh, the season kicks off. You know, you may just think it is a, it's a vanity thing, and, and you're probably right there. Uh, but the reviews do really help out uh, in getting the podcast noticed, and, and uh, as I'm told, because I'm I'm not uh, deeply knowledgeable about it, help with the iTunes algorithm, uh, so it'll get get it in front of more folks. Uh, it's also su- uh, super helpful when people uh, share their love on Twitter by liking, retweeting, or or quote tweeting. Uh, the podcast had some really nice feedback after the last starting pitcher one. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, and you know, a number of folks did that. So I just, you know, it's, it's just awesome. And like I mentioned, you guys, you guys really killed it. So thank you so much for that. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the preview. You can follow me on Twitter at batfootcrazy. Uh, the website is batfootcrazy.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, but haven't updated those in a while. So uh, you know, just follow me on Twitter and, and, and chat me up there. All right. Final preview, starting pitcher part two. Let's get this party started. All right. Let's get started with the second part of our two-part starting pitcher preview. Say that a few times fast. Uh, last time we went from Max Scherzer at uh, number one, at least in terms of AB, ADP, all the way to Kevin Gaussman, who's going at an average draft position of 237. Now these ADPs are from a week or so ago, uh, maybe a week or two ago, I think when I entered them. And so they may have changed slightly or a decent amount uh, given you know, there's been some pretty significant shifts in terms of drafting, but I'm going to continue to go by ADP. Uh, but for the remainder of the guys, um, 
Uh, what I'll do is I'll go through and I will share the projection for them and then I'll just show a little commentary. I'm going to try to focus on now that we're kind of through the top 60 or so starting pitchers. I'm going to try to try to focus on reasons why you should or shouldn't target a particular starting pitcher uh, with you know both ADP in consideration, although we're to the point of drafts where there's very little differentiating pitchers in terms of their projection. And so it's much more thinking about, you know, maybe what what the upside uh, or downside of a particular pitcher is. So with that said, you know, I will do what I've done in previous drafts, share the projection or previous previews. I will share the projection, uh, the ADP, what that uh, what the projection is in terms of evaluation and then uh, what the ADP cost of that pick is and then produce uh some value based on that. Uh, at the lower end of the spectrum, you know, any decent pitcher is going to provide you with at least a little bit of value, especially when you get into the $2, $1 picks. So just take that into consideration. This is a place where, you know, leagues can be can definitely be won and lost if you can pick up a really good guy or alternatively if you decide, you know, to once again uh invest in John Gray. No, just kidding. He's going uh, even earlier, and we already covered him in the first one. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get started here. The first starting pitcher is Alex Wood, uh, ADP of 241. Just a quick note that he is going to start the season on the injured list, so that is definitely something, given his, his injury history, uh, that you probably want to be um, paying attention to. So uh, Wood's projection is uh, 142 innings pitched, 127 strikeouts, Nine wins, a 4.03 ERA with a 1.28 WHIP. That's good for a $5 projection. The cost at pick 241 is $6, so he's losing you $1 worth of value. Uh, Wood, obviously, starting on the injured list is not a good start. You know, he's moving from a Dodgers team that uh, was very good to a Reds team that I think will put up plenty of offense, but it's also a shift in ballpark, and he's in one of the worst, especially for home runs. Uh, ballparks in all of baseball. So I think, you know, the injury isn't a good way to start. I think that Wood, there's not a ton really to hold on to. He does have a good slider. It's actually interesting. You know, according to fan graphs, he used to throw a curve. It's now classified as a slider, uh, somewhat different pitch apparently. Uh, but the metrics on that pitch are very good. And he started to throw it more towards the end of last year. Uh, but the sinker, and the uh, you know the sinker in general you know with low swinging strike rate is going to limit the skills in terms of the strikeouts, uh, and while he does get a decent O swing, which should help out in the uh, in the walk department, uh, I just don't I don't see a ton of upside for Wood anymore, uh, particularly with the change of scenery uh, and the change in ballpark. The NL Central is also uh, going to be a really good uh, hitting league. You know you're going to have the Cubs. Uh, he's not going to have to go against the Reds, but you're going to have uh, the Brewers. You're going to have the Cardinals. And don't sleep on the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates, you know, they may not have some of the household names of the other teams, but I think overall they, they're going to have a really solid lineup uh, top to bottom. Up next is Zach Godley going at an ADP of 248. Uh, Godley's projection is 177, 177 innings pitched, 170 strikeouts. 10 wins, a 4.15 ERA, and a 1.36 whip. That's good for $7 uh, 
valuation at a $6 cost. That's $1 value. Uh, Godly is a guy that, um, that I've been uh, off of since the end of uh, 2017. Um, heading into last year, uh, I was... I was Preaching a little bit of caution um, on Godly just because he relies so heavily uh, or he relied so heavily when he was successful on his curveball um, and having a really high O swing. He can throw his pitches in the zone. So the walk rate, as, as people who have owned him you know, last year know, his walk rate is going to be very high. He also gives up pretty good contact um, as well. Uh, and so that is not a good uh, combination. He could get you a decent amount of whiffs if everything holds up, but even his swinging strike rate towards the end of last year cratered. It was uh, under 10% over his last 10 games, you know, which leaves me really wondering what there is about Godly that's pushing him up this high outside of, you know, a stretch before hitters adjusted to him uh, in which he was he was lights out. He was very good, but I don't really see uh, anything uh, good in Godly. Yes, it's a $7 valuation, you know, but at a 415 ERA and a 136 whip, you throw that in your lineup, uh, even in deep leagues for 177 innings pitched. And, you know, that's, that's going to be real tough. Uh, Steven Matz is up next. Uh, 248 ADP as well. Matz's projection is at 158 innings pitched, 149 strikeouts, nine wins, uh, a 406 ERA, and a 129 whip. That's good for a $6 valuation at a $6 cost for Matz. Uh, Matz is actually a guy that I really like heading into this year. You know, obviously, he's had a pretty tough spring training getting lit up a couple times, but you never know how much stock to put into that, or I try not to put much stock into that. Towards the end of last year, things really seemed to come together for him. His swinging strike rate uh, was up. Uh, he saw some improvement in his breaking pitches, and it's easy to forget, but you know, you go back uh, two years and, you know, he was blossoming as another one of those aces on the Mets, you know, uh, uh, consistently in the three ERAs, at least for his short period of his career, almost a strikeout per inning. And there's a couple things that Matt's does really well. Um, and one of those things is that his sinker gets uh, a really high number of called strikes. So his swinging strike rate isn't necessarily uh, that high. Uh, or the the swinging strike rate on the sinker, but it gets a ton of called strikes. It's right up there with Aaron Nola among the league leaders in terms of called strikes, and so that gives him a little bit of a boost in terms of his um, strikeout potential. He's obviously pitching uh, in City Field for most of his games. Uh, very uh, generally, very friendly in terms of a, a pitcher's park. And then the Mets, you know, while their offense I don't think is going to be great, I think it should be decent. So I actually like Mats. He's somebody that I've gotten in a few places. Um, you know, I, I haven't really been targeting, you know, anybody in this range in every single one of my drafts, uh, just because I think, you know, there there isn't much that distinguishes a lot of the pitchers going in kind of the mid-200s. And I generally will be looking at hitters in this area and potentially, you know, I don't see much difference between pitchers right here, for instance, and, and those going in the early 300s. Uh, but Matt's is a guy that I've made a, made a couple exceptions for in that regard. So, you know, he's, he's, an, he's an interesting guy for sure. Uh, Jimmy Nelson up next, ADP of 254. Uh, that's potentially going up with the news that, you know, his velocity is uh, increasing slowly in uh, spring training, but he got, he was topping out, I think at 95 in his most recent 
uh, outing, and, and there was a couple Pitching Ninja uh, gifts of his uh, slider looking pretty good, so that'll definitely drive him up uh, draft boards. The projection, though, is at 116 innings, 116 strikeouts, 7 wins, a 4.01 ERA, and a 1.3 uh, one ERA. So if it's it's easy to forget as well because it was back in 2017, but Nelson really started to put it together in, in 2017. I believe it was his curveball that he started to throw uh, a lot more just as an overall percentage of his pitches, and he really took off that year. And prior to the injury, he was looking like an absolute stud. Uh, so, you know, obviously, I don't think he's going to, he's not starting the season with the Brewers, but they definitely have room in the rotation for him to go in there. Uh, so he's, you know, he's a possible speculative add. The innings pitched, I think, are going to be managed pretty closely for him. And so that limits the upside a little bit. Uh, but, you know, he's playing for a very good hitting team. Not a great ballpark, but he's already shown that he can pitch okay there. So monitor the velocity closely. Um, but, you know, there are worse speculative uh, selections for starting pitchers at this point in drafts. Marco Gonzalez is up next, an ADP of 265, 176 innings pitched, 148 strikeouts, 11 wins, a 406 ERA, and a 127 whip. That's good for an $8 valuation at a $5 cost. Uh, so $3 worth of value uh, that uh, Marco Gonzalez is getting us right here. Uh, Gonzalez is, is, is interesting. I mean, the one thing that I do really like about him, he has a high O swing and a high zone percentage as well as a high first pitch strike rate. And so, you know, generally speaking, he is going to be, a a, a solid, solid enough in terms of his whip. He's not going to walk a lot of guys, which is really, really nice, especially going this late in the draft. You know, a lot of the guys going around here are the guys that just destroy, uh, your whip. Uh, or can destroy your whip if you get the wrong one. Uh, but, you know, I'm not that into Gonzalez. You know, he started throwing a cutter, which was, I think, effective initially, but started to decrease in effectiveness as the season wore on. He doesn't really have that knockout, uh, you know, pitch, which guys going around here don't always do. Um, but, you know, just not a lot in terms of uh, strikeout potential. And the hitability is pretty high. Uh, the Babbitt against was was high, and uh, he also earned that. You know, when you take a look at the expected metrics, so Gonzalez is certainly intriguing because of the whip. But I think where he's going, I'm passing on him. I'm not finding myself getting him in any, in any drafts. Uh, I'd rather you know wait 50 picks and uh, take uh, take a chance on some other guys. Uh, one guy that I do like uh, heading into this year is Reynaldo Lopez of the White Sox, ADP of 271. Uh, innings pitched uh, 174 for his aggregate projection, 152 strikeouts, nine wins, a 4.61 ERA, and a 1.36 WHIP. That's good for a two-dollar valuation at a five-dollar cost. Uh, so he's losing you two dollars worth of value when you round up. You know, Lopez is kind of a challenge for me because, you know, in September, he looked really dominant. He's got some great things going for him. Number one, velocity. He's still 24 uh, and he throws the ball harder. He has one of the hardest fastballs. I think it averaged 96 last year of anybody in baseball. And we know that velocity, while it is certainly not everything, um, it can certainly be very, very helpful to a pitcher. 
Um, so that is one thing that I like about Lopez. Number two, I think that he's going to get volume. He's got the frame for volume. Uh, he threw a number of uh, innings. I don't have it in front of me. I want to say he was like at one, uh, maybe 196 uh, last year uh, in terms of innings. Um, and so I think he's going to be, you know, right up there. Uh, even though Carlos Rodon is getting the, he had 188 uh, and two-thirds innings last year. Sorry about that. Uh, 188 innings last year. I don't see any reason why he can't make that jump up uh, to uh, 200 innings pitched uh, this year. Not that that 12 innings is that much of a difference. He was utterly dominant, though, in September. And it's September, and so, you know, rosters obviously aren't as good um, uh, in in September, so that's some one thing to take into consideration. Uh, but you know, he started to his his changeup was more effective. It had a swinging strike rate over fifteen percent uh, during that period of time, and so you know, and that's I think is critical. The slider is also a, de- a decent pitch. Um, the challenge for me with Lopez is if you look at the at the metrics, he is a high fly ball pitcher, which I don't mind at all because I think you know fly ball pitchers get a really bad uh, rap. But some of the best pitchers in baseball, like Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, are high fly ball pitchers because it generates a very low BABIP if you're able to keep the home run per nine you know in check, um, which is something that you know Lopez hasn't always been. Um, he hasn't always been uh, great on, or the home run per fly ball percentage. Uh, but you know, if you look at um, you know uh, Lopez down the stretch, you know against the the Cubs, he was utterly dominant. Seven innings pitched, uh, eight strikeouts. When you look against the Yankees, seven innings pitched, uh, six strikeouts, one earned run. Um, you know he dominated. So you know there's other teams in there, but maybe not weren't as good. Uh, but he was successful even against the teams in you know, independent race, uh, who have very good lineups. And so that is, um, you know, that is encouraging, even though the batted ball numbers were very low during that stretch, you know, the BABIP was very low. Uh, the home run per five ball rate was very low during that stretch. If you look at the expected metrics, he deserved that. Now that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be some regression. Um, but it does, you know, make me, uh, very intrigued at the price right here, because if he were able to turn a corner, you know, and add uh, some strikeouts to his game, add some volume, become kind of that power pitcher, you know, not like Verlander and Cole because he doesn't have the secondary stuff yet, but be able to limit contact to that effect. You know, you'd be getting um, some pretty good uh, ratios, maybe not some win totals, but I think you'd be getting volume in addition to that. So that is a very long explanation for why I like Ronaldo Lopez and why, you know, when you look at the underlying metrics, they all point to him being much worse this year, but uh, I'm willing to take a shot. So that's me justifying this pick. I just put out a tweet um, about the next pitcher, Julius Chassin of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, his projection, he's at an ADP of 274, a projection of 186 innings pitched, 156 strikeouts, 11 wins, a 4.42 ERA, and a 1.37 whip. Uh, $5 valuation, $5 cost. Chassin is somebody that I'm not touching after diving in a little bit. All of his skills are well below league average. His swinging strike rate, his O swing, his first pitch strike, his zone percentage. Um, oh, actually, his zone percentage might be right around league average. I take that back. His Z contact. And then when you look at him, he was probably the luckiest pitcher in terms of balls in play last year. A 250 uh, 
four BABIP, I believe, uh, and a th- and a three oh six expected BABIP, twenty two point three expected home runs compared to the eighteen home runs that he gave up. So expect some major regression here. His slider, which you know people I think talk a lot about, his slider being really really good. You know, it's a solid pitch, but you know it's a fifteen percent swinging strike rate slider uh, that is actually. You know, slightly below league average for sliders um, in terms of swinging strike rate. So I just don't see much upside here for Chassin, uh, so I'm steering clear. Julio Teheran is the next one. Uh, he is going at an average draft position of 284, uh, 162 innings pitched in 100, and, 162 innings pitched, 144 strikeouts, nine wins, a 4.59 ERA, and a 1.36 WHIP. Uh, that is a two dollar valuation. Uh, going at a $4 cost for Teheran. Uh, you know, one of the things for uh, Julio is that his, um, you know, his skills actually weren't that bad last year. This is the thing that I kind of struggle with. The skills were not that bad. If you look at him, his swinging strike rate was 11.2%, but it was actually much higher than that uh, towards the uh, the end of last year as he started to throw his slider more. He's got a very nice slider, uh, but he has trouble getting it in the zone, and so that's one of his challenges. He's walking you know, a lot of guys. Last year, he, his first pitch strike rate was right around league average, but his zone percentage was at 37.8%. Uh, with a with an O swing under league average, and so that's kind of a recipe for disaster. He did have a two seventeen uh, BABIP last year, which is why he had a three ninety four ERA uh, and a one seventeen uh, WHIP. Uh, but obviously, that is not uh, going to be very sustainable. His expected BABIP last year was two seventy four instead of that two seventeen, so still better than league average, um, but you know, well under. Uh, so put all those things together with his diminishing velocity, um, and I'm not targeting Teheran at all right here. You know, he has the chance to really blow up on you, um, and so I'm staying away from him. He is a guy, though, that if he finds his way onto the waiver wire for some reason, you know, he's likely to get drafted, but if he does, I'll be monitoring it because the slider is uh, good enough to deserve attention, and if that velocity ticks up, I believe he was like 88, 89 so far in spring training. If he can get just slightly above 90 miles per hour, I think he may uh, regain some relevance. But uh, for now, I'm kind of fading him and buying into that uh, pretty terrible projection. Up next is Sonny Gray, uh, ADP of 293, uh, 149 innings pitched, 142 uh, strikeouts, 10 wins, a 397 ERA, and a 132 whip. Uh, that's six dollar uh, valuation at a four dollar cost, so that's rounds up to three dollars worth of value for Gray. Gray is intriguing to me. Uh, obviously, folks know the backstory about him going back to the Reds uh, and working with his um, former pitching coach or head coach at Vanderbilt, uh, Derek Johnson, who you know did wonders for the Brewers with much less talent. And so, I think Gray is super interesting for that fact alone. What I also think is interesting is that despite his struggles last year, the slider and his curveball were still plus pitches, um, you know, both in terms of getting a, a decent swinging strike rate, um, you know, and, and overall skills, as well as actually the outcomes. Um, it's just that his uh, his sinker uh, really got knocked around pretty good, as did any other pitch he threw, just got lit up. And so I think if he kind of goes with the sinker, uh, slider, 
uh, curveball combo. Uh, I think it could work out really well for him. Just getting out of Yankee Stadium, uh, he struggled on the you know at home. That's kind of well documented. But you know the the slider and the curveball are good pitches, and so if he doesn't try, if he tries to kind of stick with those, um, you know, and he goes with uh, with the with the sinker that he does have, and and Johnson is able to help him out with that. You know, who knows? He could, you know, return some decent value. But even at his current projection, you know, almost a strikeout per inning, uh, you know, the Reds should put up a decent amount of runs, an ERA under four. The whip is a little scary, but, you know, if he can uh, improve uh, and not get lit up as much uh, this year, you know, that that could be better uh, as well. And so, you know, again, you know, Gray is not without, you know, his weaknesses, but I think there's enough here to like. Where and and the ADP is low enough where I don't mind taking a, taking a gamble on him right here. A guy that I love taking a gamble on right here is Annabelle Sanchez. Uh, his projection is 143 innings pitched, 137 strikeouts, uh, nine wins, a 4.29 ERA, a 1.29 WHIP, uh, $4 valuation at a $3 cost. You know Sanchez last year was really a revelation. And the reason why he was a revelation is that his pitch mix, he changed up his pitch pitch mix. Uh, He developed a cutter, which was a pretty good pitch for him uh, last year, especially at limiting uh, good contact. And so he coupled that with his changeup, which is elite. And that gives him two very good pitches to start off with. And then he's able to incorporate some of his other offerings, which are good enough uh, to be a, a very good pitcher. Now, he relied heavily last year uh, on um, you know, a very low BABIP. I think it was in the 250s. And that helped keep his ERA low. And I expect that will, that will regress uh, you know, um, a decent amount. But you know, how far will it regress? I think it regresses to maybe a mid-threes ERA. Uh, there are some concerns I have about the control because he doesn't have the same, you know, level of control and relies on a higher uh, O swing or chase rate, you know, with his new kind of cutter changeup combo. Uh, so a little bit of some control concerns there. But you know, if a guy who you're drafting right here, if you feel good about them getting maybe a three five ERA with a one two five WHIP, you know, and a strikeout per inning on a very good Washington Nationals team. Uh, I think that is very solid going right here. So he's he's a guy that I've found myself owning uh, in many, many spots. Um, Dylan Bundy is up next at an ADP of 305. Uh, his projection right now um, is for a 180, 181 innings pitched, 181 strikeouts, nine wins, a 467 ERA, and a 131 whip. Uh, that is a $6 valuation at a $3 cost, so he's getting you $3 worth of value. Despite that, I am staying away from Bundy. I was not into Bundy last year either because he's one of these guys that, you know, despite having a very good slider, uh, he actually, um, you know, he's got a, a great slider, 25% swinging strike rate slider, uh, but everything he throws other than that just gets hit way too hard, and he gives up a lot of fly balls, a lot of home runs, and for that reason, you know, I'm not really interested in Bundy. You know, these are the types of guys that I warn folks to stay away from. You know, your Bundys, your Pavettas, your Archers, your John Gray. Although, you know, John Gray is going later, and he's also worked at Driveline. And like any guy who works at Driveline, I just kind of give him an automatic bump. But his velo is also up about 1.5 ticks, I think this spring. So he's, he's somebody who's at least interesting enough, uh, uh, for me. Um, but for Bundy, he's on the Orioles. They're terrible. It's not going to get you, you know, um, very many wins, 
uh, obviously, um, and he hasn't shown the ability to not get lit up. And so guys like that that you kind of stick in and you're like, oh, well, regression is going to come, regression is going to come, regression is going to come, you know, and it never comes because they're just, they're just, they're throwing meatballs up there when, you know, they're not, uh, when they're not, when they're, when, or shouldn't say they're throwing meatballs, but they're getting destroyed when they do, you know, throw pitches over the, uh, over the zone or when people do make contact. And so I tend to stay away from those guys. Another guy I'm staying way away from is Carlos Rodon, uh, 174 innings pitch, 163 strikeouts, nine wins, a 4.42 uh, ERA, a 1.38 whip. Uh, that's a $4 valuation at a $2 cost, $1 worth of value. Uh, Rodon, you know, I was saying throughout last year as he was putting together one of the lowest BABIPs um, of, you know, in history over 100 innings pitch that regression was coming. And if you had Rodon in your lineup in September, I apologize because you got destroyed. Or not that I apologize because I was telling you to get him out of your lineups. But, um, you know, he just got destroyed. And there's really is very little in terms of redeeming qualities uh, for Rodon. Uh, that sounds bad, but, you know, one of the things is you really got to dive in and take a look at pitchers' repertoires. You know, for instance, people will talk about, um, you know, uh, Rodon's slider. So, okay, here's, Ro- here's Carlos Rodon. Uh, he's got a K-minus walk rate of 6.8%. Uh, 14.8% is league average. So he's 8% below league average. His swinging strike rate is at 9%, which is well below league average. His first pitch strike, or his swinging strike rate is at 9%, well below league average. His first pitch strike rate is well below league average at 57.7%. His own percentage is below league average at 49, 42.9%. His O swing is well below league average at 27.6%. So you kind of get what I'm going at here. In every single possible metric, he is well below league average. K per nine uh, of 6.71 last year, walks at 4.1. That's three of his four years he's had walks of over 4.4 per nine. You know, so I'll stop here. You can tell that I don't like him and and there's no way uh, that I am going to have him on any of my teams. And at some point, because development isn't linear, uh, you know, I may look like an absolute fool, but um, you know, even his slider, you know, 16.3% swinging strike rate, 33.6% O swing, you know, only 32.3% in the zone. So he can't really throw it in the zone. Well, um, he doesn't really get that high of a chase rate for, for a slider or a breaking pitch. And even the swinging strike rate isn't that good. And so I just think that that, you know, really puts, um, a huge, uh, huge, um, you know, restrictions on his value. And so, you know, for that reason, I am, uh, not going to be touching Rodon, uh, at all this year. Zach Eflin is the next guy. Uh, I actually like Eflin, uh, a lot, uh, ADP of 317, uh, 145 innings pitch. This is the, uh, the projection 145 innings pitched. Um, Oh, you want to know something? Or no, I did do it. I did do the Rodon. Uh, well, just in case I didn't do the, yeah, I did do the Rodon projection. Sorry, you know, a little back and forth there with myself. When I don't have a co-host, you know, I just got to argue with myself. I got to find a little, you know, reason to get upset or angry at myself. And so there's there's your little uh, that's there's your tension for the one man podcast. All right. Uh, so for Zach Eflin, the projection is 145 innings pitched, 128 strikeouts, nine wins, uh, four, three, six ERA, a one, two, eight, uh, whip. 
Uh, that is good for a $4 uh, projection or $4 valuation at a $2 cost, uh, which rounds down to $1 worth of value, which is really nice. The reasons why I like Eflin, you know, uh, one of the comps I, I think is really interesting is kind of Zach Eflin uh, versus um, uh, versus uh, Nick Pavetta because, you know, Zach Eflin also throws uh, pretty hard. You know, his fastball, I believe, was around uh, 95 uh, last year. Uh, so really nice there. He had a point in the season before he got injured where he was looking very, very good. He was just, you know, it felt like he was starting to get that pitch mix down. Um, his four-seamer was working for him. Um, everything looked really good, and then, you know, it, it, it didn't. Um, but, you know, he's got a... Um, you know, a, a pretty deep arsenal. You know, the four-seam fastball has a decent swinging strike on it, uh, decent uh, outcomes in terms of WRC plus of 109. It doesn't sound great, but for a, for a fastball, it's not terrible. Uh, slider, uh, you know, not a great slider in terms of swinging strike rate, but 12.5%. When you couple that with a, a changeup that has a 17.2% uh, swinging strike rate, uh, his sinker even has a 40% plus O-swing. You know, so all in all, it combines to make him a pretty intriguing pitcher, especially on the Phillies. You know, whether or not he's actually going to get a slot in the rotation, I think is the, you know, is is one of the larger questions. Um, but you know, all in all, he's a guy you know that I that I do like. Um, he's got nice control metrics. His in zone contact is better than league average. Swinging strike rate right around league average, a fifteen point seven percent K minus walk rate, which is solid. Um, and he doesn't get destroyed like Nick Pavetta. So, you know, one of my bold predictions, it probably won't be a bold prediction because I'm just not sure Eflin's going to get the innings pitch to make it happen, uh, but is to choose a guy like uh, like Zach Eflin and have him be better than Nick Pavetta because I'm down on Pavetta. I actually just put out a tweet. Um, uh, I am uh, uh, just put out a tweet comparing Nick Pavetta and, uh, and Dylan Bundy using the Spider-Man gif where they point at each other. And so I did that before I hopped on the podcast. I'm looking forward to getting a bunch of angry tweets uh, in my mentions when I get back on there. At least one's asking like whether I actually believe that, which is only kind of. Um, so Eflin though, I do like, you know, I'd actually probably, I don't know if I have him in my rankings, but like this, but I'd probably draft Eflin before I draft, uh, Nick Pavetta. If you can't tell I'm down on Pavetta, it's probably gonna make me look foolish, but, uh, it won't be the first time. Uh, Mike Miner is up next. I've talked about him on previous podcasts, but I really like Mike Miner heading into this year. Uh, his projection is for 171 innings pitched, 157 strikeouts, 10 wins, a 4-4-3 ERA, a 1-2-8 whip. Uh, six uh, dollar valuation, a two dollar cost. Uh, that's good for four dollars worth of value. Yeah, he just continues to drop in terms of his ADP. The thing that I like uh, about Miner is uh, kind of um, I really like uh, a few things about Miner. Number one, you know, his velocity increased towards the end of last year as he transitioned from the bullpen to the starting rotation. Uh, he was at 94 miles per hour uh, in September last year, which was really nice. That coincided with his changeup, um, which was already good, uh, really jumping up in terms of the swinging strike rate. Uh, it was above 20% for the last two months of the season, which is really nice. It's nice to have that knockout pitch to go along with a four seam that's pretty good. The other thing that I like is that his four seam is also has the second highest uh, spin rate of any four seam in all of uh, baseball behind Justin Verlander. And he actually doesn't work the ball down in the zone that or up in the zone that much, which when you have a high spin uh, four seam fastball, you want to work it up in the zone 
uh, because that's where guys like uh, you know Verlander and Garrett Cole, you know, have been really successful in getting a lot of fly balls, but not a lot of fly balls that are hit well. Uh, I don't don't ask me about the physics of it, uh, but that's just what I've read, you know, in looking at drive line and other places. Um, and so he didn't work the ball particularly up in the zone last year, and so I'm hoping that's an adjustment that he makes. Um, and so if he does make that, I do think that he's going to get a ton of volume. He's you know the opening day starter for the Rangers. There's an article earlier this year about how they were really. Um, you know, uh, treating him with kid gloves last year because of the transition, uh, but that this year he was going to be kind of, um, they were going to take away some of those restrictions uh, because they're going to need a lot of volume because their their rotation has a ton of question marks. And so for volume, I like him. He's another high fly ball pitcher, which comes with its dangers, but also it comes with a pretty low whip. And for that reason, you know, I really like Miner. He also, towards the end of last year, the skills really, uh, you know, got got a little bump. And so I really like that about Miner a lot. So he's a guy that I'm ending up with on a lot of my teams um, as well. Uh, Matt Boyd uh, is a guy that I'm liking more and more the more I read and look into him. Uh, and uh, the projection is for 172 innings pitched, 159 strikeouts, nine wins, 446 or uh, ERA of 446, a whip of 129. Uh, that is good for a $5 projection at a $2 cost. Now, the things that I love about Boyd are that number one, this spring his velocity is up like three to four miles per hour. Last year he was around 90. This spring he's apparently at around 94. So if he's able to maintain that, that would be huge. He's another guy who who works his four seam up in the zone. Um, and he also spent time at driveline uh, this summer. If you notice a trend, I like driveline uh, connected guys. Uh, it all starts with Trevor Bauer and works its way up from there. But uh, Boyd, um, last year, out of all starting pitchers, he finished among the leaders in pop-up percentage, according to xstats.org. Now, pop-up percentage is fly balls and infield pop-ups that have a 1% hit rate or you know have a BABIP of 0.01. So they're essentially automatic outs. Um, he is excellent at getting those. That is an incredibly high rate. It's over 10% higher than league average. Um, and this they're sticky year to year. And so this is an approach that he's had, which helps him keep the BABIP down. Um, and with the increased velocity and a decent slider, you know, if it improves all that stuff, you have the makings of a very good uh, uh, pitcher here in Matt Boyd, I think. And so he's a guy, you know, that I'm liking more and more this year and that I'll probably be targeting, you know, in some of my bigger drafts uh, this year. Um, if you're in the main events with me, don't, don't listen to this podcast. You can rewind and turn it off there. Uh, next up, we have Michael Fulmer, ADP of 336. Uh, a 169 innings pitched, 145 strikeouts, nine wins, a 4.15 ERA, a 1.28 WHIP uh, for Fulmer. Uh, Six dollar uh, valuation at a one dollar cost. That's five dollars worth of value. But I am steering clear of Fulmer. You know, he's another one of these guys who the skills look okay, but then he just gets destroyed. Uh, you know, in terms of the batted ball quality, and the metrics don't really support. Uh, you know, him getting any better. That's not to say that regression won't come or can't come, but just that he's earned what he got last year. And then this year in the spring, you know, his velocity is way down, one of the one of the furthest down of any pitchers. And for that reason, I am steering clear of Michael Fulmer entirely. Michael Pineda uh, is up next, uh, ADP of 338, uh, 131 innings pitched, 127 uh, strikeouts. Um 
Uh, nine wins, a 4.03 ERA, a 1.23 whip. That's very nice. Um, $6 valuation at a $1 ADP. That's $4 worth of value. Pineda is another guy that I would be targeting. You know, he has gotten crushed in the past. He's been one of these kind of archer archetypes of these two pitch pitchers um, who, you know, just get, uh, who have really nice uh, underlying skills, but just get, you know, again, hit really hard uh, because, uh, you know, especially third time through the order. I think the Twins are going to be super smart about their use of him. You know, he's not going to get a ton of innings, but I think they're going to be decent quality innings. Uh, he's throwing 94 95, uh, which is right around where he was pre injury if not a little bit above. He's still got that nasty slider, and he's also out of Yankee Stadium, you know, and so the home runs, just by by virtue of leaving Yankee Stadium and playing in the AL Central, worse competition, um, and uh, I think, you know, better home ballpark, and so that, for that reason, Pineda is definitely worth a speculative uh, draft pick here at an ADP of 338. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he's much higher, you know, come draft time if you haven't drafted yet. Uh, Marcus Stroman is next, uh, ADP of 340, 176 innings pitched, 138 strikeouts, 10 wins, a 403 ERA, a 136 whip, uh, $5 valuation at a $1 cost. I'm staying clear of Stroman. You know, uh, he just doesn't have the skills. Uh, he did not look great last year. Obviously, you know, he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season with injuries, but the skills are just too far off and the upside isn't high enough. Like the strikeouts just aren't there for the upside to be great, especially uh, on the Blue Jays playing in the AL East. And so for that reason, I am uh, fading Marcus Stroman. Uh, Vince Velasquez is up next. Uh, he's uh, going at an ADP of 353. Uh, 140 innings pitched, 149 strikeouts, uh, eight wins, uh, 4.32 ERA, a 1.33 WHIP, uh, $4 valuation and $1 cost, $3 worth of value. You'll notice like virtually every pitcher going here that's a positive, um, <laughs> that's positive is getting return value at this point in time because there's nowhere else to go from $1 um, unless you're you got negative value, which is certainly possible. Um, and so uh, with uh, Velasquez, he's actually a little bit interesting to me. You know, um, his fastball um, is pretty good. And anytime a guy has a pretty good fastball, I'm at least somewhat interested. He got a little lucky on balls, unlucky on balls in play last year. So I think there could be some improvement there. But at the same time, you know, the slider wasn't, you know, the dominant pitch that uh, you know, uh, had been kind of talked up. And so, you know, without, without a, a pitch that really has that swinging strike rate, it's hard to, um, you know, take a, a huge leap forward, but obviously better team. Um, and so he's at least a guy that I'll be monitoring, uh, from this point, you know, we're really in like the late 300 and the 400s. I'm just going to kind of touch on guys, you know, briefly what I do or don't like about them. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Fires, uh, ADP of 355. I'm not really interested um, in Fires all that much. He obviously got off to a, a, a nice start in Oakland, uh, but none of the metrics really jump off. Uh, none of the skills really jump off the page. Um, you know, I, I think it was more a, a situation where he got a little bit uh, lucky on balls in play uh, than anything uh, that he did particularly well. Uh, you know, 8.6% uh, swinging strike rate, so well below uh, league average. The K percentage well below league average. Um, the first pitch strike rate was up. The zone percentage was up. Uh, the O swing was about league average, which, you know, is why he had a nice uh, walk percentage. Um, but, 
you know, I think mostly uh, we're looking at him uh, having gotten a little bit uh, fortunate last year uh, with that 269 BABIP and 84.2% strand rate. You know, so uh, I'm not uh, into fires uh, really either. He also doesn't have the strikeout upside. And we're going to get to some guys who have strikeout upside, and those are the types of guys that I want to take chances on late. Jeff Samarja, you know, Jeff Samarja's interesting. He obviously missed last year, pretty much all of last year because of injury. The velocity's back up this spring. That at least makes him intriguing. Remember last year, you know, he was going in kind of the 150 uh, range in terms of ADP. If that velocity's back, he obviously plays in a great ballpark. You sit him against the Rockies, uh, you know, and you're looking at a pretty good pitcher, especially on the whip front, you know, uh, um, you know, one, two, nine whip in his projection, but, you know, he was getting to the point, uh, you know, in 2017 where, you know, he walked like 1.5 per nine. I'm, I'm just going off of my top of my head, but I know it was really, really low. The whip was really, really low. And so if you can come back anywhere close to that, you're definitely going to get some value where he's going right here. Anthony Desclafani, ADP of 381. Uh, Desclafani's slider makes him interesting. He started to throw it more last year, um, and it's a really, really nice pitch um, for him. The challenge is nothing else in his repertoire is really good, um, and he's really hittable. Um, And so for that reason, you know, um, uh, he's worth taking kind of a late stab at for that slider and the fact that the Reds have a better uh, team and better offense, just better situation this year. Uh, but still, like even last year when he was throwing that slider more, uh, he still wasn't really a rosterable pitcher, you know, outside of like a few uh, few starts here and there, but a real chance for him to blow up. So I'm staying away. Uh, Jake Odorizzi is somewhat interesting to me. There's not like a ton in the profile that that makes him that way, uh, but he is a, a high fly ball pitcher. Um, and, you know, he's uh, the twins, you know, they're they're getting um, and he also got uh, crushed in the third time through order. I'm just going to check just to make sure. But yeah, so first time through the order for Odorizzi at 271 ERA. Second time through the order, a 3.39 ERA. Third time through the order, 11.44 ERA. Ouchie. Um, you know, so I think the new regime in Minnesota will be much more aware of that. Um, and so I think that's great. You know, even first time through order, uh, 16.7% K minus walk, 13.6% K minus walk. So that's really nice. Um, and he also gives up a ton of fly balls, which again, you know, can be really bad. Um, or it can be um, really good. And if you look at his first time through the order, 53.6% uh, fly ball percentage, 44.6% fly ball percentage, his home run per fly ball rate. And again, we're, lo- we're dealing with small sample sizes here, so don't put too much stock in it. But 4.1%, you know, first time through order, 4.8% uh, second time uh, through the order, and then 26.7% third time through the order, you know, so for, for that reason, like, you know, all the combination of that, I think he could be an intriguing late round gamble here. He's always had the talent. And so maybe now that he's going to be with the twins in a weak division, uh, with a smarter kind of baseball ops around him, uh, that, you know, he may, he may not get the innings total, uh, but you know, he may pitch higher quality innings. One guy that I do love that's going late is Trevor Richards of the Marlins. Uh, Richards, towards in his last ten games, um, you know, last year his swinging strike rate was at like twelve point three percent. The control metrics were better. He was throwing that nasty, nasty changeup more and more. The changeup that's, you know, like 
uh, 25% plus swinging strike rate, one of the best pitches in the game. The O swing was also up. Everything really was headed in the right direction for Richards, except for the batted ball quality, especially home runs. And so if he's able to improve a little bit with that fastball or, you know, improve his curveball just a little bit, you know, he could be uh, a guy who takes a big step forward uh, for the Marlins. You know, anytime you got a 12% plus swinging strike rate over 10 games, that's going to make me notice. And so Richards is a guy that I like a lot, you know, that you can get later on in drafts who I think has a lot of upside. Uh, Caleb Smith has has been pitching really well this spring. And he also, you know, last year went, went through a period where he was looking really nice um, in terms of his swinging strike rate. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have it off the top of my head. I'm going to look at it look it up while I'm talking, but yeah, 11.6% over the full season um, last year, a 16.9% K minus walk rate. Let's take a look at his his last 10 um, games. There's nothing I love more on a, on a podcast than looking up rolling average graphs. The only thing, actually, there's nothing I like more than doing it while I'm on a podcast. Um, But I also love doing it just to do it. Uh, so actually, that swinging strike rate was down a little bit over his last 10 games, 10.5%. But still, you know, right around league average. The O swing right around league average too, slightly below. Zone percentage below, first pitch strike below, Z contact going up. You know, let's take a look. I bet his velocity, maybe his velocity was uh, was on the was on the downswing too. Oh no, uh, pretty steady there. Uh, in terms of his uh, his pitch mix, uh, let's take a look there. Um, man, don't you just love it when I'm just you know, uh, on here rolling with the punches. So two pitches last year with 15% plus swinging strikes rates or 16% plus 16.1% on his slider, 16.8% on his changeup, even 8.4% on his four seam fastball, um, is pretty good. Uh, I believe his velocity is up this spring too. Uh, don't quote me on that, but, um, I'm pretty sure. And that slider and that changeup had a 16 and 82 WRC plus respectively. That's really nice. That definitely makes me notice. I'm going to, he's a guy that I'm going to be looking at, you know, potentially adding, and I'm a little sad. I didn't get him in more, um, uh, 15 team draft and holds Tyler Anderson. Now folks who follow the podcast or who have followed me on Twitter know that I have a very, um, up and down relationship with Tyler Anderson. I love the skills, the swinging strike rate. Those swing is never that great, but, um, you know, it's decent. The Z contact is decent, but he always gets hit so hard and he plays in cores. I mean, if he ever leaves cores, he's going to be a uh, uh, great, um, you know, but for Anderson, you know, the thing that I would say is, you know, the skills are nice. The cutter that he developed when he was throwing it a lot, you know, he had kind of peak Tyler Anderson season, but, you know, again, I'm staying away because he, because he just lacks the consistency overall. Uh, Danny Duffy, uh, is also a guy that I'm not really that interesting. He's been getting hit hard for the last like two plus years. There just isn't, you know, a ton, uh, that I really like in Danny Duffy. So I'm not, uh, I'm not going to uh, go after him here. A guy that I do like is Kyle Gibson. Um, you know, this is, I'm outside of ADP now, like Gibson's going in the high two nineties. So I apologize, uh, you know, uh, for that, uh, just the way that I set up the spreadsheet, I only entered so many ADPs and, uh, I, yeah, anyway, so Kyle Gibson, um, you know, his, uh, let's enter his ADP of around 280 into my fantastic spreadsheet here. And what you have is uh, 190 innings pitched, 169 strikeouts, 12 wins, a 4.13 ERA, um, and a 1.37 uh, whip. 
Uh, that's good for a $8 valuation at a $4 cost, so getting you uh, $4 worth of uh, value there. Um, uh, Gibson, uh, you know, um, he's a guy that I really like. He's got the repertoire, the slider's nasty, the change-up's nasty. He's actually got three pitches with a fr- uh, uh, swinging strike rate higher than uh, 15%. So everything's there. He just really needs to work on the control. Uh, he can't throw his pitches in the zone. The first pitch strike rate isn't great. You know, and for those reasons, the whip is always a little bit of a question mark. Uh, but, you know, pitching for Minnesota in the AL Central, he's looked really good this spring. Again, I don't put a lot of stock in that, but it's better than him being terrible in the spring. You know, for so for that reason, you know, Gibson is a guy uh, that I, I do like and I will uh, be targeting some in drafts. Um, you know, some other guys just kind of going through folks, uh, that I do, um, like, uh, you know, uh, I, I like Jose Reña a decent amount. Uh, mostly it's the fastball velocity. He's got one of the hardest fastballs in baseball. You know, you wouldn't know it, but you know, uh, over the last two years, um, Ureña, uh, has, um, had an ERA under four, uh, and a decent whip. Uh, for a, over a total of so 169 innings and 174, so well over 300 innings pitched, 3.82 ERA, a 3.98 ERA, a 1.27 WHIP, and a 1.18 WHIP. He is has been able to outperform his um, his peripherals because of a, a low BABIP, um, but you know a lot of that I think is because of the quality of contact they're able to make with his velocity. I do worry a little bit about his control metrics. The first pitch strike isn't great. The zone percentage isn't great. Uh, the O swing isn't great, um, you know, which means that his control shouldn't be that great. Uh, but you know, what I do like is that he started to throw his slider more towards the end of the year. Uh, it incre- improved in terms of um, its performance from a swinging strike perspective, as did his four-seam fastball. Uh, he plays in Marlins Park for half of his games, which is a lovely place uh, if you are a hitter. You know, and for that reason, and I think also the volume, I think he's going to get plenty of volume. Uh, for that reason, I think Ureña is is worthy uh, of a shot. You know, where he's going, which is around pick uh, four hundred. Um, uh, you know, Matt Harvey is another guy you know that I like. I've mentioned him a bunch um, on Twitter and and just in terms of drafts, if you follow my drafts. Uh, The things that I love about Harvey towards uh, over his last 10 games last year, his uh, swinging strike rate was over 11%. It was over uh, 14% uh, over his last five. Uh, In particular, his curveball, which he relied on heavily when he was uh, elite, uh, had its two best months in terms of swinging strike over the last uh, two months of the season, including over 20% swinging strike rate in September. You know, again, September uh, samples having the caveats about the talent level that he was going up against. Uh, but, you know, he still throws the ball hard, you know, 94, 95. Uh, he's also with the Angels, and I mention this every time I talk about him, but they are more and more uh, geared towards analytics, highly, high, um, hiring some guys from driveline. Um, and so he seems to be rounding into form into the spring. He may be the opening day starter for the Angels. So I think a combination of volume, you know, uh, and I think he can get a, a sub four ERA you know, and a decent whip around one, two, five. At the same time that those swinging strike skills uh, really surged, so did the first pitch strike rate uh, and the O swing uh, and the zone percentage. So everything was moving in the right direction for him. You know, and for that reason, I really like Harvey, especially going where he's going, which is, you know, kind of in the mid uh, 300s. Uh, 
Derek Holland is a guy that I don't mind. I actually haven't gotten him in a ton of drafts, but uh, he actually looked really nice and the skills backed it up last year. Uh, obviously, you know, he's not going to throw a ton of innings. Uh, I think he gets hit around pretty hard in his um, uh, third time through the order as well, but the swinging strike rate was up. You know, he had a couple, I think, slider curve, uh, which were working really well for him last year. He plays in, uh, you know, AT&T Park, which is now called something different, but I, I can't remember what it is. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not getting the sponsorship, so I'm just going to call it uh, AT&T uh, Park. Uh, so he's not a bad kind of speculative play late. I'm a little bummed that CC Sabathia uh, is uh, out, uh, you know, is starting on the injured list because he introduced a cutter or not introduced, but threw a cutter a lot more last year and it really helped him out. The skills were really nice in terms of swinging strike. Um, over 11% over his last uh, 10 games, uh, really uh, did a lot better as he increased usage of that cutter. Uh, and he's obviously on the Yankees, so wins shouldn't be too much uh, of a challenge for him. He's not going to get the innings that he once did, especially starting the starting the year on the injured list. But I think those innings could be good enough quality. You know, a, a three ERA, maybe like a one three WHIP, something like that, uh, and that is rosterable if you're in like a 15 team league or something like that. Robbie Erlin uh, is also very interesting. He does not walk dudes. Uh, and for that reason, he his whip is going to be pretty good. Uh, he also doesn't give up a ton of hard contact or at least like really good contact like, you know, some of these guys like uh, he's, you know, I'd probably go him over Marco Gonzalez, for instance. He's also got a decent slider. Uh, the Padres are obviously a better team. It's a decent ballpark to pitch into. Uh, and for those reasons, I think there's a lot of upside for Erland. So he's a guy that I would be targeting uh, very late. Yanni Chirinos is a guy I definitely would not sleep on. Uh, he's going to he's gonna be following an opener probably this year. His velocity is up to 97. He pitched really well last year, and the skills actually improved as the season uh, progressed. Uh, he throws, I think it's a sinker. Uh, it's either a sinker or a cutter, but um, you know it doesn't get a ton of swinging strikes, um, but uh, it's enough, and he's going to vulture some wins out of that opener spot for the Rays. So he could be this year's Ryan Yarborough just with a little bit of luck uh, on his side, and I think you're going to get much better innings uh, in terms of you know ERA, ratios, whip. Um, those are the ratios. Uh, so he's a guy that I think I'm definitely interested in uh, going late in drafts. Uh, Brad Keller is also a little bit interesting. His velocity is up. He's throwing it hard. He gives up a lot of ground balls. Uh, the strikeout stuff isn't there. It's not that great. He's also on the Royals, but it's a good ballpark. Uh, and so, you know, the ratios could be okay, uh, even though you're going to have to kind of bank in the very low strikeout total. So maybe he's a guy that you start, you know, when he's when you stream in when when he, he's he's got two uh, two starts in a week. Uh, something like that. Going through other guys, Brad Peacock would be much higher up in ADP now that he's pretty much assured of a spot in the Astros rotation. You know, nasty slider that we know to know know about. Nice enough fastball. Working on a changeup that looks pretty good in spring training. Pitching for the Astros, the innings will be limited. But the last time he he was a starter, you know, in 2017, he was he was lights out almost as a starter. He was he was dominant. So where he's going right now, him and Colin McHugh, who I covered in the start, starting pitcher preview one, uh, you know, are really nice values, I think, going where they're going, you know, even around pick, you know, 200 to 250 right now. So uh, definitely go after them. Uh, Chris Paddock, you know, look, uh, you know, I, I'm not a prospects guy. Obviously, the 
you know, the projections absolutely love him. Like the projection I have, the aggregate projection, 73 innings pitched, 75 strikeouts, four wins, a 3-6-1 ERA, a 1-1-5 whip. That is awesome. Uh, the question is really going to be, you know, where he's going now in drafts between 150 and 200. You know, do you, how many innings is he going to pitch since he's been on a very limited pitch count in previous years? I've heard a lot of mention of like, you know, 100 to 105, maybe pitching like three to four innings a game. Uh, you know, if he's not pitching after an opener in that context, then that's going to cost you a lot of wins. So just something to consider when you think about him. But uh, there's a lot of love from the projection systems for him. Uh, Matt Shoemaker um, is another guy who is at least of interest to me. Uh, he signed with the Blue Jays. He's got a very nasty splitter. Um, and then he's got a slider, I think, to go along with it. Uh, the the splitter is over 20% swinging strike rate. The slider is over 15%. Injuries have always been a huge issue with him. But if he's able to stay healthy, uh, he could be a decent kind of long shot uh, guy uh, to uh, put together, you know, at least an okay season. I think the innings pitched are going to be somewhat limited. Uh, Matt Strom obviously would be going much higher up as well. Looks really good this spring. Uh, innings pitched obviously also an issue, but you know, Strom has a really he has a starter repertoire, and he worked really hard in the off season to strengthen. You know, Beshup of his life, you know, all that jazz. But um, he has looked very very good. Padres also improved a nice home park. Same thing as Robbie Erlin. Uh, you know, when you look at his stuff, you know, his slider, 23.5% swinging strike rate last year. His four seam, 12.3%, change up at 11.2%. And that's the vast majority of his pitches. Um, so, you know, uh, whether he'll, he'll probably lose a couple ticks of velocity as a result of moving uh, from uh, from the bullpen, and he's only at 93.5 out of the pen. So that'll be really interesting to watch. But he's another guy, you know, if you want to go after him around pick 200 where he's going, you know, you definitely can. But the innings pitch just concerned me a, a ton. So I probably won't have him anywhere uh, going around there. Michael Walker is a guy that I'm totally off of this year. Uh, the skills just aren't there. The guy just kind of is who um, he is. The swinging strike rate was really low. He got through with some really uh, low BABIPs and some really good luck on balls in play, but that started to go away towards the end of the season. You know, when you look at um, uh, his whip, you know, the last uh, three years, 121, 148, 136, 123. You know, the good whip years, he's relied on a 249 and a 272 BABIP. Um, you know, the walk rate uh, was at 10.1% last year. The first pitch strike down at 53%, which is atrocious. Zone percentage at 42.6%. You know, the O swing is below league average too, 9.9% K minus walk. Just not a lot here. The velocity is up this spring, but, you know, there's only so much um, uh, that you can do, you know, with that limited velocity or not with limited velocity, but, you know, with, with the type of, uh, you know, success uh, that he had. And I'm going to want to see him make, uh, I'm going to want to see him be good before I uh, invest him in it, but it'll probably be too late, but I'm not too worried about missing out on his 7.58 K per nine, you know, uh, or lower in, in three of the last four years. Next up is Jason Vargas. Uh, Vargas is actually a guy I like a decent amount this year as a very late, late, late guy. You may not, you probably don't even have to draft um, Vargas, but uh, he is a guy who, towards the end of last year, um, he started fading his sinker 
um, and started throwing his changeup, which is his best pitch, a lot more and really improved from a skills perspective. Uh, swinging strike rate over 11%, an O swing that was really nice, an uh, in-zone contact rate that was better than league average two over that same period of time, and, and, and some control metrics that were, that were fine. And we've seen that Vargas can put together stretches of being a really good pitcher. We saw it with Kansas City. Um, we saw it towards the end of last year with the Mets. He's looked pretty good this spring before a blow up in his last outing. And so, you know, he's just a guy that that I'll probably monitor, maybe maybe not even show up on my 15 teamers or kind of last pick in 15 teamers. Uh, but he's definitely not a guy, uh, you know, that I mind taking, taking a shot on because, you know, it, it won't be, it shouldn't be absolutely uh, atrocious. Let's put it that way. Uh, the last guy, I'll save the best for last, or not really the best for last, but um, a guy that uh, that you know is going to get a starting rotation spot uh, is Adam Wainwright uh, for the Cardinals. He has not been good for a little while, but there was a little bit of intrigue, you know, towards the end of last year. Uh, you know, he started throwing the curve more than he has at any other point in his career. Uh, it's still a decent pitch for him. So the swinging strike rate was pretty good. The O swing was okay. Uh, you know, the in zone contact was okay. All of the metrics were looking better and better. He was still getting hit around pretty good. Uh, but, you know, that's at least interesting. You know, one thing that I always preach is to follow the skills. And so if a guy is putting together some really nice skills, and as long as that, you know, BABIP or the batted ball quality isn't really good in the expected metrics support it, you know, then, um, you know, I- I'm willing to take a shot or at least uh, pay attention, even if you're your prime was like 10 years ago, uh, as is the case um, for uh, our buddy uh, Adam Wainwright. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple more in here just to touch on uh, really, really quickly as I scroll through the last ones. Uh, Jalen Beeks was okay towards the end of last year. If he can get that you know, spot behind the opener, um, you know, there's some potential to uh, scavenge some wins, more of kind of like a 50-team draft and hold, but just monitor him, uh, kind of see uh, what is going on there. He's kind of worth that. Uh, Ryan Barucki, uh, his velocity is up like three points, uh, three miles per hour this spring, and he's looked really good. Um, his stuff was less than great last year, although, you know, the the outcomes were okay, uh, and I know that because he... He had a two-start week that last week of the season. That really helped me out a ton. Uh, I remember I think he pitched against the Rays and was just kind of really, really good uh, from an outcomes perspective towards the end of the year. So he's worth kind of monitoring and tracking that velocity because last year he was at 91. So if he's up at 94, 95, that could just give some extra life to the swinging strike rate on his four seam, which was 2.8% last year, which is brutal. Yeah, so if you can get that up, you know, the slider and the changeup weren't great, but maybe if he adds on a couple ticks of swinging strike to all those pitches, uh, all of a sudden he could be a guy of relative uh, interest. All right, uh, scrolling through, I'm not seeing a ton uh, that is that interesting right now. So, you know, that's going to wrap it up for. Uh, the second portion or part two of the starting pitcher preview. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening uh, to this, um, you know, to this starting pitcher preview and all the previews. You know, these are the uh, the last ones 
uh, that, that I'm going to go through and then I'm going to head into kind of like bold predictions and, you know, kind of maybe some draft strategy podcasts, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun. This has been new for me. I'm, I'm incorporating projections a lot more, you know, into how I prepare for drafts and prepare for fantasy seasons. Uh, also still trying to kind of balance that with a, an overall skills analysis, which, you know, I think I relied a little bit more heavily on in, in the past. And so I'm really interested to see, you know, I hope these brought value to, to you, um, you know, and, and, and we'll help you out in the drafts. And hopefully at the end of the season, you'll look back and say, you know, may those previews help me out with a couple guys. So best of luck with all of your um, uh, fantasy uh, drafts for sure. You know, it's, it's, it's hot and heavy right now. And, and, uh, and, and if you're listening to these, then hopefully it's hot on your mind when, when you go into those drafts. Hoo-wee. That is going to wrap it up for all of the position previews, ending it right there with starting pitcher two. We got catcher. We got first base in two parts. We got second base. We got shortstop. We got third base. We got a two and a half hour, two and a half hour outfield episode uh, with Bubba from Bench with Bubba. We got a three and a half hour closer preview uh, with Brian Slack from Baseball Baseball HQ. And you're wondering why I had to do uh, the starting pitcher preview by myself. We got another three hours, I think, uh, in total uh, for that. Or actually, I think it's more like two and a half. But uh, I hope you did really enjoy uh, the previews, at least one of them, if not all of them. I hope they brought value to you. As I mentioned in the intro, they brought a lot of value to me, and I really enjoyed making them, especially the ones, uh, you know, with uh, with Bubba and Brian. That was a ton of fun, um, and the feedback has been really, really nice. So it is fantasy baseball draft season. I put out some rankings, um, shared that that link on Twitter. So if you are curious about where I kind of rank people in a vacuum, uh, which again I, I don't recommend uh, ranking people. Uh, in a lot of places, let alone in vacuums. But if you're interested in that, I did post that on Twitter. So uh, be on the lookout uh, for that too. Uh, Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball drafts. It is just so much fun uh, to draft in fantasy baseball. One of the peaks of the season. I love these first fabs too. And like, you know, there's just so many players who you never thought would be fantasy relevant who are becoming fantasy relevant because of opportunity uh, or changes in skills. And especially in today's game, you know, where, you know, there's so much uh, more information out there with technology. I just expect there to be more and more guys who just kind of come out of nowhere uh, to be really, really good. And that is going to make for a lot of fun. I'm going to try to do a weekly fab podcast, uh, you know, where I kind of take a look at guys who have recent, recently good skills, uh, recently good opportunities and kind of put those together and and put a fa- make a fab podcast out of it. So hopefully that will be helpful to you down the road. But hopefully before the season starts, I'll have a couple more podcasts, maybe a bold predictions one, maybe a mailbag or something like that uh, to, to put out there. So best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball drafts. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another. <laughs>